We thank you that uh, deep is calling unto deep, Lord. And the deep things in your heart are calling to the deep places in us. And I pray that we would be a people who learn to respond to that depth and nothing else. That we would, uh, we would, uh, we would organize our life and our understanding according to the, what comes out of the deep. That we would not be moved by winds of doctrine or emotion or words or people or situations or circumstances, Lord, because the deep anchors us in you. The deep anchors us in your plan, your purpose, your vision, your calling, your interests, your understandings. So, Father, I pray that we would be people of the deep today. And that we would seek the depths. We would no longer be satisfied with the superficial. But we would seek the depths. Lord, I pray you help us understand this. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Well, we've touched. Pastor has touched on several major themes in introducing the meeting today. And, you know, we have to be good students. And good students learn to pay attention. And so many times I think we don't pay attention to the right things, so we allow the wrong things to gain our attention because the enemy wants to gain your affection. He wants to gain a place in your heart And he tries to give you things to uh, get your attention so he can get your affection. When we come to gather together, and we come to gather not for a church service, but for an encounter with God, and then with an intention of encountering the Lord and encountering one another. See, so many of us, we have learned to go to church with our eyes on Jesus as it should be, but we also have to have our eyes on one another because God is wanting to build a body. He wants to build a family. He wants to build an army. And so much of what Christianity, as it's practiced in the Western world, is about isolation, separation, and superficiality. So you come to a meeting, you're isolated. You come to a meeting, you're separated, and you end up in superficiality because if you don't like something, you dismiss it rather than saying to the Lord, do I need that? That's a good place to say amen. Many times when you don't like it, you need it. And the more you don't like it, the more you need it. That's another place to say ow and amen. So because if we're really wanting an encounter with God... It has to be on his terms and not our terms. If we want things on our terms, we put ourselves in the place of lordship and deciding what we want and what we don't want. And then we can decide, oh, I don't like that bit and I don't like that bit and I don't like this and I don't like that. And we walk around thinking that we're right when we're so wrong. When we have to learn to come to God and say, God, what do you want? What are you thinking? And what do you like? And that... Of then saying to the Lord, 
I am ready because these are, uh, to use the Jewish tradition, we are in what's called the 10 days of awe, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which starts Tuesday night. And so it's, it's a time of repenting. You know, it's not enough to reflect. You have to repent on what you see in the reflection. Uh, yeah, you know, because now this is really important. This is where the rubber hits the road when we are having relationships with each other because this is a very dangerous thing, what I'm about to tell you or ask you or suggest or implore you do is that you ask people in your life, what do you see in me that needs to change? Oh, marriage counseling 101 next week. Hallelujah. We'll just open up a, a counseling center after that bit. Okay. You know what? Yeah. You asked me to speak, brother. So first comes to the pastor and then to the saints. Hallelujah. What? Now, this is a dangerous question, you know, because we want the superficiality which gives us the right to keep things at a distance and a pretense that goes on. And so we, we speak the language of pretense. We have relationships that are pretend relationships. You don't speak to me and I won't speak to you. You won't tell me the truth and I won't tell you the truth. I'll say you're very nice. You'll say I'm very nice. We'll lie to each other and praise the Lord. We had a good day. Hallelujah. And nobody got convicted, nobody got upset, nobody got mad, everybody was smiling, we had biscuits and coffee, and it, what, what a great church, hallelujah. Now you're saying Jesus is here, and you want him to speak, and it's like, get out of the way and hide. Because, not because he's angry and wants to hurt us, it's because he loves us and wants to transform us. And he says, I love you, but there's so much more. I love you, and there's so much more. And why do you allow this or that or this or that? Control your affections. Control your attention. Control what you believe, what you think, what you say. And the Lord is saying, I want to take you all to higher heights and deeper depths that you've never experienced before. I want to give you a clarity and an understanding of who I am and what I want to do and how frustrated he is when he finds us saying, no, thank you, I don't want that, and I'll go to another church. And I'll go to, I'll find, this is what Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in the end, in the last days, there will be people who will gather to themselves teachers who will tickle their ear. It's not that the teachers are out there tickling. It's the people are calling them because I don't want to hear what the prophets have to say. I don't want to hear prophetic instruction. I want to hear something that will tickle me because the word of God is not a tickler. It's not a feather. You know, the Word of God is not a cute little feather to tickle you under your ear. Well, that was a good place to say, ow and amen. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I read, a, I read a translation of this, the Passion Translation, and it says the Word of God is a two-mouthed sword. And then when I read the footnote for the, from the translator as why he translated it that way, he said, because the Word of God has two mouths. It has God's mouth speaking and your mouth speaking. 
When we're hearing the Word of God, we're hearing it through a human mouth, but it's God's words that we're speaking. So there's two mouths to this sword. Now, this is where relationships break down because we think we have the right or we have the authority to say to other people, you cannot speak to me. Because if you speak to me and I don't like it, I'm going to be mad and I'm going to leave. This is the breaking of relationships. Rather than saying, what you said I don't like, but I'm not leaving. I'm going to dig deeper into what you said and why did you say it. Because if you say it, you put yourself in a place to be questioned as to why you said it. Because maybe your perception is wrong. Maybe the things going on in you were wrong. And maybe that sword is now going to be turned around on you. So we don't want these dynamics, but I tell you, if we're going to grow to maturity, you have to put yourself, you have to choose for yourself. Yes, Lord, I'm putting myself into this place where I can be instructed on this level, where I can speak and be spoken to. I can speak and be spoken to, and it's not about what I like and what I don't like. And it's not about being a critic or a judge and a fault finder because there's no skill, there's no anointing, there's nothing to be proud of to stand around and judge and criticize and find fault in everybody because it's just really easy to do. It's just really, if you make yourself a critic and a judge and a fault finder, you can, you can find fault in five seconds, you know, with anybody and everybody. And people find fault with God, you know, and, and all kinds of things. So Jesus says, don't judge, because you will be judged. And by the measure you judge, then you will be judged. That is scary stuff. You know, the Bible is a scary book. You know, there's a lot of terrifying things in the Holy Scriptures. And Paul says, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. He understood something about the fear of God. And there's, there, you know, when the Holy Spirit moves, fear comes. You know, people talk about, well, you know, we're going to have a move of the Holy Spirit. Everybody's going to be a big party. No, it's going to be a lot of people weeping and wailing and, and being terrified. You know, some of you have read histories of revivals and the, the moves of revival. And we were just talking with someone who they drove up to the Hebrides and met people, you know, older people in the 90s who were part of the revival, you know, when they were youngsters and the things that were happening there because people were just stopping in the street and weeping because they didn't know what to do. They, they, they felt the presence of God and fear came upon them and they didn't know what to do. And so we're praying for a genuine move of the Holy Spirit and being prepared. One of the ways you prepare yourself is to have the right, the kinds of relationships with other people that you've built and developed, that you love them and you trust them and you respect them so you can have the kind of dynamic that allows them to speak into your life because you speak into their life because you know their heart is not to judge you, condemn you, or criticize you, but to help you learn and change and grow. They're not speaking something to you to hurt you. They're saying, hey, here's what's wrong, and they're not leaving you condemned, accused. You're not this, and you're not that, and you're not this, and you're not that. But they're saying, hey, I'm seeing this, and here's how I can help you. Here's how you can change. It's not, I'm not just saying something to you or allowing somebody to say something to me without me having the right and the authority and the responsibility to say, well, you just said that to me. How can you help me? Because if you can't help me, you have no right to speak to me. You have no authority to speak to me. If you don't have a solution for me, don't tell me I'm wrong. 
That's the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The Father is the helper of the saints. The Holy Spirit has been sent to what? Help you. Teach you. So if somebody is bringing correction to you, they better be able to help you learn what the correction is all about. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. This is important because otherwise the enemy will, we, he will just wreak havoc in our relationships because people think that they have a, a right or a superiority to be able to condemn one another. Well, I'm spiritual. No, you're not. Because if you were really spiritual, you'd be humble. You'd have the fear of God in your heart. You would have the fear of God in you before you would approach somebody to dare to speak to them about anything in their life. You would be, God, how can I speak to a speck in his eye if I've got beams in my eye and you're going to really rebuke me because I don't want to be rebuked by the living God. Amen? So if we're going to have these kinds of quality relationships... And this is part of the preparation because when people get saved out of their paganism, out of their darkness, and these are people who are jaded, they've been hurt in every, virtually every relationship they've ever had. That's how they ended up in the place they did. They were abused as children. They were abused sexually, emotionally, financially, every which way. They were abused at home, at school, and all they learned how to do is fight to protect themselves. That's why they're in that kind of darkness. So they have a, a well-tuned hypocrite detector going on. You know, it's well-tuned because they've been around hypocrites their whole life. So when they come in, the first thing they're going to look at is, are you a hypocrite? Are you full of, and I can't use that word because we're in church. But you know the word that I'm about to say because that's their language. You know, they're looking for that. And one of the ways they're going to observe us is to see if what you're doing and what you're saying match up. Because they're going to ask you questions. What did you think of that girl? What did you think of that guy? What did you think of that message? With their, their hypocrite detector on high gain, high gain, they're waiting to see if you are full of it. And then uh, that it is not the Holy Spirit. But if we're prepared because we have godly relationships and we know the righteous way to solve conflicts and issues, because guess what? If you meet another human being, there are going to be conflicts and issues that have to be resolved. Welcome to life on earth. When we get to glory, there won't be any issues. But when we're here on the earth, no matter how anointed somebody is, no matter how prophetic they are, they have stuff to deal with. Hello, my name is Howard. I have stuff. Just ask my stuff detector. She's sitting over there. Hallelujah. So we get, a, we get away from this foolishness, you know, that we're perfect. We're on a journey to maturity. That's what the King James Version, you know, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It really is be mature, be full, uh, be, 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 how shall I say this to you? Come to the fullness of who you really are, the fullness of your calling, the fullness of your personality, the fullness of your identity, that maturity. 
And we're on a journey to that, and we are to be helpers of one another's joy. We should be competent to counsel one another and to help one another. These are the relationships that the body of Christ is supposed to reflect. This is not about going to church together. Hello, how are you? Don't talk to me. I won't talk to you. We'll praise the Lord. We'll hear a message. We'll forget the message. We'll come back next week. We'll put some money in, and we'll call it church. But it's not the authentic body of Christ. The authentic body of Christ is people in real relationships with one another that are about helping one and helping one another, helping one another, helping. Did you hear that yet? I could keep saying it for an hour, you know. Helping one another to learn, to change, to grow, to mature, and to keep bearing fruit. Learning is a process. Changing is a process. Growing is a process. Bearing fruit is a process. But you have to put yourself in a place where you're saying, yes, Lord, I'm a student in that school. I'm a student in that class, and these are my classmates because you've assigned me to this group of people. And let me tell you something. If you think there's a better group of people than the one that God has assigned you to, you are deceived. Because the best people are the people God assigns you to, and most likely at the beginning of that, you will not like it. And you will rise up and you will say to God, you have made a mistake. You have been God from eternity to eternity, and you have never made a mistake except now. This is your absolute flat-out first one. Because you're assigning me to be with these people? No way. But God says, they are my chosen vessels to help you learn and change and grow. To take you from where you are in your arrogance and pride and carnality and stupidity, etc., etc. It's a long list of things to take you into spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness. Whoa. Then the enemy comes and says, I think you want to go to another church. I think you want to go to a church that says, we're not into that nasty learning stuff or changing. We want to entertain you. We have the finest in Christian entertainment. Hallelujah. You know, and, and we're here to make you happy. And we'll sing songs that you like. La, 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 la. And this is the church that's operated by the devil because he wants to keep you immature. Do you understand that? One of Satan's strategies is to keep you spiritually immature and fruitless by making you happy in your flesh, making you think this is about you and what you like and make you happy. And I like this and I like that. And notice the pronoun I. This is, you know, this, the, the, the theme song of the kingdom of God is not me, 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 me. But many of us think that the church is all about you, 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 you. We'll make you happy. We do things for you. If you don't like it, let us know. We'll change it. And then the other group will say, well, we like this. And that group says, well, we don't like it. Now you have a, you know, the board of demons. They have a problem. How do they solve all of this? How do we make everybody happy all at once? Cannot be done. Jesus, the master, is not in the make you happy business. We, the body of Messiah, are not in the make people happy business. We are in the making and maturing disciple business. And creating an environment, that's what we do together. We create an environment for growth. 
We create an environment where we can deal with problems in relationship, deal with issues that rise up, and they rise up every day. Don't they come out of the woodwork? You know, you thought it was a great day, and then new issues arose. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They get special deliveries from, well, the dark side, shall I say. <laughs> you know, things happen. Life happens. And then we have to learn how to deal with it. And then when we don't, know how to deal with it. If we are good students in the kingdom of God, we know where our resources are to help us deal with it. We know there are people that we can go to, people that can give us wisdom from the Word, wisdom from their life experiences, wisdom by the Spirit, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. They can pray for us and help us because we have said to the Lord, and this is the key to discipleship, yes, Lord, I will build my life into the community that you're assigning me to. And you'll say, yes, Lord, I'm staying here. And you're looking around and saying, okay, God, I repent of telling you you've made a mistake. You didn't make a mistake. I still think you made a mistake, but I'm repenting of the fact that I didn't think. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you had that dialogue in your head? I'm repenting of the accusing of God's mistake, but no, I'm not repenting. But yes, I, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Till you really repented. That's why the the feasts of the Lord are annual and repeated every year because we need to go back for refresher courses, right? But thank God we can repent every day. We don't have to wait through the Jewish festivals, the feasts of the Lord, I should say more accurately. We can do it any day. Hallelujah. Because we're in the spirit, we're in the kingdom, and we, we, and we have opportunities. See, this is the thing with the, the enemy wants to rob us of our opportunities. Every time we get together, every time we meet one another, whether it's in a coffee or, or in a meeting, we have opportunities to learn. But if you don't make yourself a student and you're thinking like a student, you'll miss your opportunities. Like I told you, when you come to the meeting, you pay attention. You know, what does the Lord want to say? Pastor, leaders, worship leaders, people get up, prophesy a scripture, pay attention. What is God, what is God saying? Because we've heard the Lord speak about preparation. We've heard of the Lord speak about a move of the Spirit, about the return of the Lord, and about the spiritual battles that we're in. And part of the preparation is creating a dynamic of relationships. And the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that God crafts the body together. He assigns us into relationships. So you need to know who you're assigned to be in relationship with and not judge the people because the enemy would try to rob you of your assignment by causing you to rise up in haughtiness and pride or arrogance or fear or anxiety or worry or whatever the enemy would use. Well, I can't go there because they, people may not like me. I can't go there because every time I've joined to a group of people, you know, I've been embarrassed or I've been humiliated or I've been rejected. I really wanted friends, but I didn't get them and they didn't like me and they rejected me. So there's that whole demonic thing of rejection and self-rejection and the fear of rejection because most people out there live in those realms. You know, they're all looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, and turning to drugs and alcohol to numb the pain. Of the pain of being hurt, the pain of being rejected. And when they come in off the street and they find their way, 
you know. When we pastored in New York, we'd be amazed how people found their way to our church building. It's like, you know, we were in this, we were renting a, a Dutch Reformed church. It was really wild. The Jewish believers in a Dutch Reformed church. I said, God, oh, you can't make this stuff up, you know, in a generally Jewish area, uh, in, in, in uh, just a residential area. And people found their way. And some of them are really nuts, you know, and I'm thinking, how did you find this? Is there a beacon out there in the spirit realm that says, if you're crazy, come here? <laughs> and they found their way because something in the spirit was attracting them to people who would love them, to people who would try to love them, embrace them. Now, we went through all kinds of difficulties. Believe me, Janet and I have a long history of scarring, scarring experiences. So we understand some of this stuff from our own pain, you know, but we've learned how to repent and learned how to say yes to God and learn how to forgive this is one of the most powerful things in the spirit realm. The blood of Jesus is number one. If you ask me, for the number two is forgiveness. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. Full stop. You can't go any further in your spiritual walk. Because if you don't forgive, that bitterness inside of you will eat you up. And the enemy will just be able to play on that. And then... He will rob you of any opportunity to have godly, nurturing relationships with anybody because the lie about being hurt because you didn't forgive, that lie will start to operate inside of you and say, don't trust him. He looks like so-and-so's brother-in-law's cousin who hurt you. And now you can't trust her. She drove a car that looks like a car that was once the car that belonged to the person that hurt you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's all of this junk uh, all of this junk opens up. Hallelujah. The animals are on parade. Praise the Lord. All of this, all of this junk opens up because you got bitterness because you didn't forgive. So the first thing you have to do is practice forgiveness so that you're free to allow the Holy Spirit to enable you to develop New levels, hear me say this to you, that allows the Holy Spirit to teach you how to create new levels of relationship with other people. This is not easy to do. This is why most people don't do it. But when pastor is talking about being prepared, this is part of the preparation. This is the wineskin that God can pour new wine into. And one of the things I felt the Lord showed me is our relationships are the warp and woof, the very fabric of the wineskin that the new wine can get poured into. That's the preparation. Because those people that come, the thing they're going to be looking at first is who are you and what kind of relationships do you have with one another. And we're not pretending to be perfect. We're just saying, hey, welcome. We are people in school. Welcome. We are people on a journey. Welcome to join us in our journey of learning how to be disciples of the kingdom of God. And that's what we are. We are students. That's what a disciple is. We are students of the kingdom of God. And God calls us together to be students. Now, the enemy hates this. 
He loves to divide and conquer. He loves alienation, superficiality, separation. And Jesus wants to build us together. So you understand that when you start walking towards building sanctified relationships that are about helping one another learn and change and grow, the enemy is really going to come against that. He's really going to, he's going to try and alienate, separate, divide, get you mad at somebody. Somebody will say something. It'll be whatever it is, the wrong word at the wrong time in the wrong way, and the enemy will jump on that. See, I told you. But then if you're saying, no, I'm not going to be tricked. I'm not going to let any wind of doctrine or emotion or relationship or thought or feeling rob me of my destiny. I'm going to be anchored in the Word of God. I'm going to obey what God is telling me to do. I'm not going to let the thief steal anything from me. So I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to go to that person and say, what you said, what you did, how you said it, it hurt me, it alienated me, it felt, made me feel bad, it reminded me of what happened to me 35 years ago that I hadn't forgiven. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because you look like somebody who reminded me of somebody who did something. And they're mad at you for smiling at them. Or not smiling long enough. Because <laughs> they have a smile meter going on. If you only smile for 0.3 seconds, it's a hypocritical smile. Just one of them fake ones. You know. Because, pe- listen, we've been in this stuff a long time. We have heard a lot of strange stuff. You know, of people who do things and say things and act in certain ways. And it's like, man, that is bizarre. Now, I did learn not to say that to them. But I did say it to the Lord and to Janet. I said, that's flipping crazy. Because it was demonic. We also learned that Satan is the manipulator of words and thoughts and feelings so that you could say something to somebody that sounds like blue circle, blue circle, Blue circle. And what they hear, you say, is green squares, green squares, green squares. And they're mad at you. Why did you say green squares to me? And I said, I never said green squares. I don't even believe in green squares. I don't think about green squares. I never. Yes, you did when you only smile for point two. Tenths of a second. That's what you said. Green square. Do you understand what I'm trying to communicate with you? Because the devil is in the atmosphere. He's the prince and the power of the air. So these things are going on. But if we're walking in love and truth and honesty and humility, we can go to one another and say, now wait a minute. You think I said green square to you. Let's go back and look at that. Because if I said that, I didn't mean to say it. What I thought I was saying was blue circle. You know, the word in my head was blue circle. That's the word that left my mouth. you understand what I'm saying? Because you're willing to say, look, I value our relationship. I don't want to let there be a division. I'm going to stand for the sanctification of our relationship. I'm going to fight for the sanctification of our relationship. I'm not just going to simply allow it to be broken because of whatever. Now, that person may not have that same attitude to you. You cannot change that. That is their choice. But as for you and your house and you and your heart, before the Lord, you can say, Lord, I did my best 
to sanctify that relationship, to create a dynamic where your life can flow between us. And then the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And if, God, and if that person doesn't receive you in their life, don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Pray for them. God will bring other people to replace them. The thing you got to do is keep your heart open. Keep your table open. You know, if there are people who are at your table and for whatever reason they despise you, they reject you, they no longer receive you, they don't welcome you, they don't value you, for whatever reason, and it could be from one bizarre reason to another, and I've heard a lot of bizarre reasons, but anyway, they left. So the devil would come, you know, when they leave, the devil comes with a cup of tea. Well, let's have a cup of tea, love. This is really hard, isn't it? Maybe you should think of doing something else for a living. Maybe you should leave the ministry. Maybe you shouldn't go to that church anymore. Maybe you shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. Because the devil is, is the master of no, not, can't, and don't. Don't do that. Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem. They will kill you. Satan, get out. You don't know what spirit. Speaking to Peter, you you don't know what spirit you're speaking of. I must go to Jerusalem, suffer and die. So the enemy will come when you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling rejected. But something then has to rise up and say, no, I'm not hurt and I'm not rejected. I did what God wanted me to do. They chose not to receive me. I just pray for them. I let them go and I keep my heart open because, Lord... There's somebody else in the path. There's someone else I'm going to meet who is going to say, yes, wow, I can't believe you're opening your life to me. I can't believe you're willing to have a relationship with me. I can't believe you're willing to invite me to your house and teach me the Bible. Whoa. And that person becomes a golden disciple and goes on to bear fruit for the kingdom of God because you didn't close your heart. You kept your table open and say, Lord, whoever you bring, Uh, I'm open. Whoever you send me to, I'm open. And then all kinds of cool divine appointments. How many of you know that God has cool divine appointments for you? Like, whoa. Whoa. So I had to pick up a prescription for my daughter. You can be praying for her. And so I had to go to the pharmacy. And then there was all kinds of problems with the pharmacy. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. And then I had to decide, okay, am I going to wait Where am I going to wait? I have my laptop. Okay, there's a nice place, a nice cafe nearby. They have Wi-Fi. I can go there. So all of these things, and I'm I'm getting upset because of time-wasting and incompetence. Does incompetence upset you? It drives me crazy when people don't know how to do their job. Okay, that's another story. I'm repenting. I am. I'm repenting. Hallelujah. Well, not really, but but I am repenting. Anyway... So because of all of these things that weren't working, right, the way I had planned that morning to go, I go to this cafe, and I'm wearing a Batman T-shirt, you know, as I do, you know. Hey, superheroes, you know. And I've got this Batman in a van. It's the Van Gogh Batman Starry Night, you know, the famous Van Gogh Starry Night, and they got Batman in there. So I'm, I'm wearing the T-shirt. And uh, these two gentlemen are standing next to me online, and one of them says, oh, Batman, I love Batman. 
And I said, yeah, me too. And um, uh, how did the, the next thing um, these, this guy said to me was, how did he phrase this? Somehow or another about, Va- oh, that Van Gogh, he said, did you know that Van Gogh was a missionary? And I said, what? I knew he was nuts, but I didn't know that nuts. And I never heard that. And I, then I heard these words come out of my mouth. When he said, did you know that Van Gogh was a missionary? I said to him, I'm a missionary. Now, I never describe myself that way. He said, well, Van I said, well, I'm a missionary. Because actually, in some ways, Janet and I have described our ministry as Jewish missionaries to the body of Christ. You know, on behalf of Israel, on behalf of the Jewish people, on behalf of God's purposes for the Jewish people. So here I am with these two guys, and one of them says, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor. And I thought, Lord, I love this. What are the odds of this happening, that my morning got whacked with incompetence, so I would be at the cafe the right moment that this pastor and another Jewish believer turned out to be, where I'm there with my Batman Van Gogh uh, t-shirt so that they would say that Van Gogh was a missionary and I'd be able to say, I'm a missionary too. So you have these divine appointments. Why? Because your heart is open to do whatever God wants to do with you whenever he wants to do. So, you know, I I started emailing with this pastor and we're looking to get together when we get back because he didn't have any time uh, for us to to make a spot because I was preparing for this trip and a lot of other things going on. But I'm just delighting. I was just rejoicing in the fact, you know, the steps of the righteous person are ordered of the Lord. Please hear me say this to you. Because you've got to keep yourself in the flow where you're saying to the Lord, I'm choosing, I'm choosing for my life to be a disciple of the kingdom of God. If my spouse don't want it, if my mom don't want it, if my children don't want it, if nobody else doesn't want it, I don't care. For me, I'm going to be a disciple. And Lord, if you're telling me to be part of this group or that group or whatever, I'm digging in. I'm not thinking the grass is greener on the other side. Because if you're thinking the grass is greener on the other side, wake up because you're still going to have to mow the lawn. You know, because people think, well, I'll go to a better church where there'll be better people. (laughs) How stupid is that? Whoa. The devil will be chasing you around the country and the world looking for the right people. You know, and the devil will just keep you in a prison of alienation, separation, until he gets you to the point, well, give up. You know, why don't you just stay home and read your Bible? Well, I've got news for you. We are not called to a me and Jesus walk. We're called to a we and Jesus walk. Now, I'm not telling you just to go to a meeting for the sake of going to a meeting. You've heard me not speak. You've heard me speak about this kind of dynamic. I'm talking about being in community with other believers. So you don't have to come to a church building on a Sunday. You can be meeting in your home with your Bible and a cup of coffee and have church that as legitimate as any other kind of meeting. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You can worship together if you put a CD on or just make a joyful noise and clap off key. And the worship that will, that, will, that will rise up from that kitchen will be just as anointed and Jesus will show up and have coffee with you. Amen. 
and the Word of God will open and the revelation will come and other things will happen and then people will say, wow, I heard about this meeting you had and and so-and-so got healed. Can I come? You know, can you pray for me? I, I have demons. Can you cast them out? How many of you have been with people like that? Like, oh, or you've told them, do you know you have demons? That's many times they don't take that as good news. I just w- want to let you know. So the Lord is wanting to prepare for a move, and there's a challenge to you to be a preparable person. It's not just you saying, oh, I'm prepared because I'm coming to the meeting. No, I'm prepared because I'm building my life into the wineskin so when people start getting saved and they come here, they find godly people in godly relationships, not perfect people and not perfect relationships, but godly people who know how to forgive, who know how to forget, who know how to confront in love. Because the people that are coming in have never learned that. They only, know, they only know about alienation, separation, rejection, and hurting others and lashing out. They don't know about forgiveness. They don't know about repentance. And then when they see issues happen, they will be watching you. They're hypocrite and other detectors. Well, we'll leave those other detectors unnamed. Those other detectors are in operation. Oh, what are you going to do about that? I saw what happened. How are you going to? And they're in the background watching. Hmm. Hum. That's the sound of the hypocrite detector operating. Hum. Well, how are you going to handle that? Hmm. Are you a racist? Hmm. Are, you, are you a liar? Hmm. Are you a hypocrite? Hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? But when you're aware of that, because you're well-practiced, you're mature in handling relationships with one another, that's about helping one another learning, change, and grow, because this is not about you like me and I like you, and I'll never say anything to offend you, and you'll never say anything to offend me, and we'll be nicely alienated and separated because we're so nice to one another because we never offend one another. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We'll just be lovely people together, yes? You know, we'll be nice people to because we're nice, you know, and you want to be nice, you know, and you like being nice, and you want them to be nice to you, and you're nice to them, so we have a nice church. But God is not in the business of making us nice. He's in the business of growing us up, which means sometimes you have to confront, which means sometimes you have to exhort, which means sometimes you have to rebuke. And this is all good if you want to learn and change and grow. Most people don't want this, beloved. Most churches are not built around this. But if you decide in your heart, you know, I want to learn as much as I can uh, while I'm on this earth. I want to grow as much as I can. I want to bear as much fruit as I can. I'm going to be, I'm saying, Lord, put me in the place. Hear me say this, Lord, I'm put me in the place where I can learn as much as I can, grow as much as I can, bear as much fruit as I can, and then put yourself into the mix, into the matrix. That a matrix is an environment that produces change. That's what the word matrix means. It's an environment that produces change. And you put yourself into the matrix and say, yes, Lord, teach me. 
However, whatever lessons, however you want to learn, I'm here to learn. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm speaking the truth in love. If somebody says something I don't like or I disagree with or they're interpreting a scripture and I don't get that, you know, I'm going to give them freedom to interpret any way they want. If somebody prophesies and I don't agree with it, I have the right to say thank you very much. That was nice religious poetry, but it was not the word of the Lord as far as I'm concerned. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Because we practice keeping the environment clean. We practice keeping the environment healthy because we're speaking the truth in love to one another. This is hard work, beloved. It takes energy to do this. This is not about going to church together. It's about being a community of faith that creates environments for growth and we're in which we are intentional in our relationships with one another, intentionally focused in our relationships with one another. That's about helping one another learn and change and grow. So we ask questions like this. Are you bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? What fruit are you bearing? Show me the fruits. And if you're not bearing fruit, I'm not condemning you. I'm not accusing you. I'm saying to you, as I shared earlier, how can I help you? How can I help you? You know, we're in business together. We're business partners in the business of making and maturing disciples. And as business partners, we're wanting to see the business thrive. We want to see everybody thrive because we're in business together. We want to see everybody bearing fruit. So if somebody's saying, well, I'm struggling, or if somebody's saying, well, I'm not bearing fruit, if somebody's saying, I really don't know what my gifts are, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I want to obey, I really want to be a disciple, but I really don't know, that is a great place to start. And then we could say, wonderful, let's pray. Let's pray, lay hands on you, and let's pray that a revelation will come about your giftings, your callings, your desires, and the fruit that God wants you to, uh, to bear. You know, and we can have, let's discover our gifts night, you know, and pray over everybody that doesn't know. Let's discover our fruits night and pray for, pray for that. And, and, and creating a space, hear me say this, a sacred space around you. And in that sacred space, who is ever in, not all of your relationships will be sacred space relationships. I understand that. But there are sacred space relationships, and in that space, the kinds of conversation you have are about learning, changing, growing, maturing, and bearing fruit. So you can have in that space the conversation about bearing fruit. And if someone says, well, I'm not bearing fruit or I don't know how, there is no condemnation. This is a sacred space. It's okay. Let me see if I can help you. Let's pray together and see what the Lord will show us. And if we don't get it, well, let's get some other people. We'll expand the sacred space, and we'll bring everybody together, and we'll pray over you. We'll we'll worship and allow over you, you know, singing the songs of Zion over you. As it says in Zephaniah, God sings over us. And there are so many creative ways. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit will give you so many creative ways of developing, maturing, and stewarding environments for growth. The Holy Spirit will give you so many different ways, insights, understanding, knowledge, to create diverse environments that are all about helping one another learn, change, mature, and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. This is the wineskin that God can pour the wine into. This is the wineskin that unbelievers can find their way to your meeting, to your home, to you as an individual. Someone coming up to you and says, I don't know why I'm asking you this. 
but can I, can you pray for me? And then you say, well, why are you asking me? Well, you were like glowing. I never met somebody glowing. I saw your aura. Well, that's the aura of the Holy Spirit. Because I was just, attra- I don't know why, I was just attracted to you. Or the waitress or the server in a restaurant. Can, can I ask you a question? What's with you people? You know, you're like different. And then the, 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 the open door is presented to you. Because you put yourself in that place. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to the shops, wherever. Lord, if you have an appointment for me today, I'm ready for it. You know, if you're calling someone to the kingdom today, and I'm the vehicle you're going to use, I'm ready for that. I'll pray for them. I'll in, well, why don't you come and meet my friends? You know, come to the meeting. We sing, we, we, we worship, we pray, we laugh together, we tell jokes. You go to a church that tells jokes? <laughs> yeah, we have a joke night. What? That's a challenge because some of the, you know, it's like, don't let everybody get the microphone. It's just, unless you give everybody permission to moan, like, uh. But, you know, there's so many different ways we have to break out of the religious go-to-church mindset and get into the create environments for growth mindset. Create environments that bear fruit mindset. Not just having services, and we should, right? We should worship together, amen. We should be in teaching meetings together, amen. All kinds of diverse ministries. But there are other environments to produce growth. Then Paul started Bible schools. I can't imagine the kind of stuff that happened in these places. You know, it wasn't just instruction, you know. Because many times he he called people out of the synagogue. These are my people, right? And now we got saved, and now we're in a new environment, but we're still Jews, and it's like everything goes, you know? It's like we're we're not, you know, very somber people. It's like, oh, man, we're saved. Wow! Anybody got a funny story? Tell us a funny story. What happened to you? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did. Wow. Follow what I'm trying to say to you. I want to break the spirit of religion off of you. The spirit of religion says, no, we cannot do that. We are religious. We do not smile. We do not laugh. We do not laugh in church. I want to break all of that off of us. Amen? God wants to. Jesus came to set you free. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. Unless you don't want to be free. Because you think freedom means responsibility, and you're right. I don't want to be free because then I cannot choose to stay hidden in my, you know, in my sicknesses, in my irresponsibility, in my unbelief. And I use them to protect my, you know, I'm I'm a religious person, I don't do that. You know, I'm a fearful person, I don't do that. I'm an unbelieving person, I don't do that. I'm a weak person. I don't do that. I'm an immature person. I don't do that. You know, and you use all of this, and you don't say it in those words. They always couch it in religious language. But you get to the same place where you're just locked up. And Jesus wants to set you free to enjoy him and enjoy life and just be full of joy, full of joy, full of joy, full of joy. You know, walking down the street laughing and don't care if they arrest you to section you. Hallelujah. We will have a ministry in the asylum. Hallelujah. Oh, boy, there's enough demons there to keep you busy for a year. Whoa. 
walking down the street, smiling, singing, praising the Lord. Hallelujah. People looking at you. And it gives you opportunities to talk to them. Like, whoa. One of our heroes in the faith was Richard Wormbrand. How many of you know Richard So we had the privilege, Janet and I, as young pastors, to have Richard Wormbrand in our home. Yeah, it was a while. It was like, oh. I can't, I don't have the time to tell you those stories. But anyway, Richard always wore a clerical collar because he got saved into the Lutheran denomination in Romania. So he always wore a clerical collar. So I was out with him one day and asking, I asked him, I said, Pastor, why do you always wear a clerical collar? And he says, because it gives me the opportunity to talk to anybody about God and they're not surprised. They, they expect me to ask them, how is your relationship with God? You know, how is your walk with the Lord? How, are you reading your Bible? They expect me to say that, you know. So, of course, being a good disciple, I put on a clerical collar. It didn't work for me. I just felt so uncomfortable. It was not, it was just not for me. Hallelujah. And Janet went out and bought me all different colored ones and stuff, you know, try and help that process. It just wasn't for me. Huh? Yeah, yes. You're not going to, brother. That boat has passed 30 years ago. But anyway, the point was, this was how the Lord was using him creatively, strategically, to create sacred spaces where he could step into it and speak to people. Now, maybe they're going to start showing up in clerical collars. I, I don't know. But how cool would that be if it was really in the spirit, right, as, a, as an evangelistic strategy to go out into the community to talk to people and pray for them? I just pr- want to pray for you, for God to release the, a level of creativity on you you've never received before, a level of understanding you've never had before, a level of freedom you've never had before, to create environments for people to learn and change and grow, and, and uh, who will steward that environment? Because we don't have to be perfect to steward it, we just have to be willing to learn. You know, and someone says, look, I'm opening my home and I don't know what to do. Wonderful. Let's go and learn together. Let's learn. Let's forgive one another. Let's make mistakes together because we're going to, but we're going to learn from the mistake and we're not going to condemn one another. Amen. We're not going to rebuke one another. Amen. We're going to intentionally create healthy environments where everybody can learn and change and grow. And we're in it together. Not condemning, not accusing, not rejecting, but asking, how can I help you? How can I help you learn? How can I help you bear fruit? How can I help you do what you've never done before? Become who you've never been before and go where you've never gone before. Amen? Lord Jesus, I pray that we would learn these lessons today. And that you would take this ministry to new heights, Lord to new levels, to new places of revelation, insight and understanding about creating environments. Lord, I see other ministers that are here today, the churches they represent and the ministries they represent. Take them, Lord, in their ministries, in their church, likewise, Father, to new levels, Father God. New creativity, new ways of evangelism, new ways of discipling, new ways of teaching, new ways of training, new ways of doing all kinds of things, Father. We just thank you that there's new for us because your mercies are new every morning. And you give wisdom to us if we ask it. And I'm asking now, according to James chapter 1, verse 5, if we anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask, and God will liberally give it to them. 
Father, give us all wisdom as we to help us learn and change and grow and mature and bear fruit for your kingdom. Give us wisdom in relationships. Give us wisdom in managing those relationships. Give us wisdom in evangelism. Give us wisdom in teaching and training and growing. And Lord, having fun with you and one another. Oh my God, Lord, I just speak fun into everybody's life, Lord. Laughter and joy, Lord, into everybody's life. And mine too. You know, if you don't want it, I bounce off of you. I'll take what you don't want. Hallelujah. Father, I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.